Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were. Nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program. China's a problem, and this administration thus far hasn't set a very good example of standing up to China. This administration is strong and tough on China. China today is the single most formidable adversary the United States has ever faced. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. A local left-wing DA in Atlanta is after me for an absolutely perfect phone call. The grand jury concluded that no fraud existed in Georgia. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The U.S. still does not know where the three unidentified objects came from. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as President Biden addresses the nation on the series of recent shootdowns. And America's relationship with China will discuss the political and security implications with former Congressman Mike Rogers, who chaired the House Intelligence Committee. The grand jury in Georgia investigating election interference by Donald Trump says they believe one or more witnesses committed perjury. We'll discuss what we learned today with former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers and John Fetterman hospitalized for clinical depression. We're going to talk about that in all of our stories with our panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. You've been hearing the calls on this very program for President Biden to address the nation on the Chinese spy balloon and the three other objects that the U.S. shot down over the last week or so. Today, that is exactly what he did. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were, but nothing, nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from other, any other country. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. Okay. So they still don't know what they shot down. But the president did confirm reports today that he's ordering National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan to lead an interagency effort to create new protocols or any for handling unidentified aerial objects and he made clear he still wants to talk to China. Now, look, the other thing I want to point out is that we are going to keep our allies and the Congress contemporaneously informed of all we know and all we learn. And uh, I expect to be speaking with President Xi, and I hope we have we are going to get to the bottom of this. But I make no apologies for taking down that balloon. He did not say when he plans to speak with President Xi. 
And with us to talk about what we learned today, former Congressman Mike Rogers, who chaired the House Intelligence Committee, also the founder of LEAD, Leadership to Ensure the American Dream. It's great to have you back with us, Congressman. Did the president put your mind at ease today? Well, did not exactly exude confidence in my mind. Uh, you know, if you recall, the reason they were saying, hey, we're going to shoot, them down, shoot these things down is because yeah. they posed an imminent threat to the United States in some way, either a collection of data uh, or something that they didn't understand on that on the crack. Didn't even know what three of them were. That doesn't, you know, just doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy. I mean, it sounds like there's going to be a lot more that we just don't know uh, than we do. And I don't, I, I, if I were the president, candidly, I wouldn't have gone out there and said, well, we really don't know much about the three things we just shot down. I guess that's really the question here, and and whether or not we're or we're ever going to know. And I'm asking you that because of what we heard uh, from. General Mark Milley earlier this week, he talked about, look, we we haven't found numbers two, three and four. They're in very difficult terrain or under hundreds of feet of water. And Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, Republican from Louisiana, took it a step further. He was just coming out of a classified briefing when he said this to reporters this week that they're actually lost. We Listen. can't find the remnants except for the the the, uh, the, the spotlight. And that's what I took away from the hearing today. When you so said this has been happening many times, they're lost. Times, are they, is the they're lost. They can't find them. They're they, lost is what he said, Congressman. Do we suspect that he was told that by the Pentagon officials who briefed him? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess that probably was mentioned in the in the briefing. Here's the thing. I mean, listen, we all have uh, our, our wishes and wants that we want the Biden administration to stand up to China this way or that way. And, you know, my argument is they could do more. But on something like this, this is really important to kind of rally around the wagon here, because when we talk in in terms that looks like we all of them in Washington, D.C. are dysfunctional, you actually help our adversaries. And so let's just say those devices were sent in. They didn't get any radar signatures or any signatures coming off of them that would indicate that they were collecting anything. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Our adversaries are still watching how we react to this uh, and looking like we all don't know what we're doing. And we can't wait to tell the other team exactly how much we don't know what we're doing. I just don't think it's very helpful right now. Uh, you know, maybe uh, if the, again, if the president came out and said, listen, we're working on it. Don't worry about it. We've got it covered. That probably would have been a better speech than, uh, hey, we really didn't know what the heck was going on. We don't know where they're at. They came out so of the briefing. So we're being too honest We can't right even now. find them. Well, I just – does that help us? I mean, at the same time, listen, yes, we have some obligation to tell people for sure. But you don't have to, to tell our adversaries things that they uh, probably ought not to know. And that's my only concern going forward. Hmm. Maybe a little more time, figure out what they were, figure out uh, where they're at. Uh, you know, I don't like to tell our adversaries that we can't find the things we shot down over our own country. Um, that just doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy either. But you've also give them a little piece of intelligence that they're going to factor in uh, for ever, any future operation. And again, we don't know what was on those devices. So was, was it espionage gear? We don't know. Uh, were they just we react and what kind of communication signals we throw up when something like this happens we don't know and so there's just a lot more we didn't know and Mm -hmm. to come out and kind of say that in the way that they said it and then of course congress pounces on it i'm just not sure that's helping the uh, team usa right now mike rogers you chaired the house permanent select committee on intelligence from 2011 to 2015 that's before we were aware of this much more broad uh, balloon spying program 
that China is engaged in, not just with the U.S., but dozens of other countries, as it turns out. Should we be speaking openly about that? Well, I mean, certainly that cat is out of the bag. Um, But, you know, what's really interesting to me on this particular case is that they watched it go over Guam. Guess what? Lots of U.S. presence there focused on uh, Asia. Watched it go over Hawaii. Lots of U.S. military presence there focused on Mm -hmm. Asia. We've watched it go over Alaska. By the way, lots of U.S. military presence there. Let's go to Montana. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the route, you're thinking, wow, you know, why did, well, you know, we could get into the what ifs, but that thing was collecting for a very long time on very sensitive areas of the U.S. gear. So, Well, they tell us they were jamming communications to some extent. Do Do you believe that? Well, I believe that they were trying to jam communications. What we don't know and will not know until they do a full recovery is, was that the only way that that uh, suite of electronic communi- uh, surveillance equipment could yeah. communicate? Remember, when you're at 60,000 feet, it is a really short burst uh, to get a whole bunch of information up to a satellite, a Chinese satellite flying by really, really easy to do. And so I, I'm skeptical that we can say, God, we got it all, nothing to worry about. I'm skeptical. I just don't believe that until all of the forensics are done. Uh, but remember, there are lots of creative ways to get information off that balloon, even if it's being jammed from the ground or in, by, in the air by U.S. Uh, uh, military and intelligence services. So there's just a lot we don't know. And telling us a little bit and pulling back, I'm not sure was helpful. The president did address our more broader relationship with China today using very familiar language. We do not want conflict, but we are going to pursue competition. Uh, We don't want a new Cold War, he said. Are we not already in one, Mike Rogers? I don't think we're in a Cold War, but we do need to understand that China is out to knock us off our peg, meaning, you know, we're the most influential leader when it comes to, to economics and finance. Yeah. China has openly said that they think that that day should come to an end. Uh, the way that they have stolen intellectual property and cost us a little bit of prosperity for American people, yep, that's they're going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do believe that those are all big challenges, including our own challenges domestically, by the way. I mean, we can't you – know, China's teaching uh, quantum mechanics to eighth graders, and, and half, half last year of our high school seniors – couldn't read past the sixth grade level. We have fundamental challenges if we are going to compete with a strategic competitor like China. Uh, And we better kind of rally around the pole here to say we can do it, we will do it, and let's get uh, busy doing it. Mike, I'm glad you came in. Former Congressman Mike Rogers, who chaired the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence from the great state of Michigan. Great to hear your insights here as we assemble our panel now. I want to hear from Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, of course, just as much as you do, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Uh, interesting day here, Rick. Just wait for Kevin McCarthy's trip to Taiwan. What's that going to do to the conversation? Look, I mean, uh, arguably, we have an incredibly challenging environment uh, to deal with with China. And this is just a a small uh, fraction of it. But I thought that Mike Rogers made a really good point, is that we have to think of all these incidents, including this balloon incident, as to what are we telling China and 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 how are they actually receiving this information? Because, you know, it, everything that the president does on the podium, every trip that that Kevin McCarthy makes to Taipei, all of those things are obvious to our media and what we're trying to accomplish. 
But we've got to also be thinking through how is that being perceived and, and regurgitated in China? Because this is how you get into a Cold War fast. And and I think even the president saying that, you know, the same day we were talking about the Chinese balloon, you know, to put basically sanctions on companies that were doing business with the PLA, I, you know, it sends another message, right? That those two things may be completely disconnected, but the Chinese won't think so. Jeannie, listen to Senator Marco Rubio talking uh, with reporters today on Capitol Hill. He says, forget the Cold War, forget the Soviet Union. This is a whole new level. China today is the single most formidable adversary the United States has ever faced. The Soviet Union was not an industrial power, a technological power, a commercial power. I just found that interesting, and, and it resonated as we conduct essentially a proxy war with Russia. For a little perspective here, Jeannie. It is. And, and, you know, the the sad thing is, is that I don't think we are doing ourselves any service. I have to tell you, I found today as clear as mud what was coming out of the White House on this. We have balloons coming in. They nobody seems to know they're going to Guam. I'm no atmospheric person, but do they just drift off course all the way into Montana? I mean, it's you know, it, it was really hard to follow this story. We eventually shoot that one down. There's three more that we are shooting down with missiles above the United States and Canada. And yet they're nothing serious, nothing to worry about. What is going on? So while I appreciate what Senator Rubio is saying, could we get some information that makes any modicum of sense? And if they can't tell us for security reasons, can they at least say that? Rick, uh, is John Kennedy onto something? Did he say something he shouldn't have, that the wreckage is actually lost, that we cannot find it? I know we shot it down. We have a sense of where this stuff is. But are we to believe the Pentagon doesn't actually have eyes on this stuff? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, these things are getting shot down at 20,000 feet. Uh, You can't actually pinpoint where they land. And when they land, they move. Right. These are really hostile conditions in the Arctic. Uh, Lake Huron's a big place. You know, you try to catch a fish on a lake and you know, I know they're down there. I just can't seem to find any of them. And so, uh, yeah, I I, look, I accept that. And and, but I think what what Mike Rogers said was right, which is why do we want to admit that? I mean, like, what is the message we're giving to our adversaries that that we can't find? Or not spoken at all today, I guess is my question well if that's something that they'd learned in a in a confidential briefing and it's not publicly known information he shouldn't have been talking about it. well for john kennedy understood how about for joe biden though to say you know what we we just don't know still where they're from yeah uh look i mean i don't understand why the president of the united states has to go out and actually talk to the american public about a bunch of balloons that nobody knows the origin and we don't have a complete story on i mean i am i am anti-balloon mania i think the one that mattered is the one we know about which is the chinese balloon right. these other things we'll figure them out when we come and the american public needs to be patient as long as they don't think they're ufos and that your you know house is going to get you know nuked by a ufo then then i think he was reassuring to the american public earlier in the week that's all he needed to do senator lindsey graham was speaking as well today uh on the hill talking about china specifically uh and some some sort of chilling comments as he considers the threat from the other side of the world Listen. we have certain capabilities we need to increase uh the chinese communist party is getting more aggressive uh, we need to have such a military capability to deter war and when you get in a war, you want to make sure you win it. Jeannie, this is getting to be a, a frenzy for sure. We don't even know where these other three uh, are from. Of course, the, the spy balloon might have on its own uh, prompted this conversation. But what should we be? What's he talking about? What do we need that we don't have? 
apparently we have to invest more in the budget for the military and defense, <laughs> you know, you know, but listen, I, I have to uh, disagree with Rick on this. We are in a diplomatic crisis that's like 10 to 12 days long with mass confusion. No, and why do people worry about aliens? Because the government said they couldn't tell us it wasn't aliens. I mean, so, you know, I, I appreciate what he's saying that if they hadn't gotten themselves into this mess, he wouldn't have had to come out. But he does need to come out. But when he comes out, he needs to give some information or at least tell us that this is not a national security crisis. When is the last time we've had jets flying over the United States, shooting things out of the sky? Never. And then we're told that they can't tell us where they are or what they were. Again, the Webb telescope can tell us what happened 50 billion years ago or something, but they can't tell us what they're shooting out of the sky over our own territory. This is not the way to conduct business. The communications here is pitiful, and they've got to get on top of it. And today, I don't think they did themselves any service in this regard. Maybe he could have used a surrogate to deliver this message, Rick, although I guess Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, uh, hasn't been uh, cutting it here or he wouldn't have had to come out today. It is just an interesting conversation to to say, okay, we're going to address the American people here, but we're really not sure what it is we're talking about. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, Jeannie wants transparency, but, you know, then she's upset when you go out and be transparent and you have nothing to say. So uh, the government, look, it, it, it is wrestling with something that's new, right? And there are obviously, you know, you know geopolitical uh, issues re- related to these balloons and certainly the Chinese balloon that we know of, and, and that cannot be diminished. And, and, and there, as Lindsey Graham says, we've got to start looking inward as to, yeah. like, where are we really prepared? I, I do think, just to change it a minute, we have all these very important people talking about war with China. How, how, when did that all occur? It's in a, just in the last couple of weeks, it feels like. Jeannie, do you think he was holding back, Jeannie, today? Yeah, I think he was. And if it's a national security oh. reason you can't tell us, tell us that. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. 
Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. A peek inside the special grand jury in Georgia, Fulton County. We've talked about this, investigating Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 20 election, recalling Donald Trump's phone call, the perfect call, as he described it, to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, remember to find enough votes to overturn his loss. The partial report released earlier today shows a majority of the grand jury believes perjury was committed by one or more witnesses. There were 75 witnesses. And they concluded unanimously there was no widespread fraud in the 20 election in Georgia. Joining us to talk about it, Jennifer Rogers, former federal prosecutor, lecturer in law at Columbia Law School, adjunct professor at NYU School of Law. Jennifer, welcome back to Bloomberg. Uh, Thanks. Good to be here. So just so we understand, because I know this is pretty unusual to be revealing information from a grand jury. Why was the judge compelled to tell us anything about what they learned? Well, the judge had a motion in front of him uh, that was by a whole bunch of media entities saying it's in the public interest to reveal the work of the yeah. special grand jury. To be jury clear, by the way, we were one of them. And it's our job <laughs> to ask for you know whatever we can get, whatever we can understand here. But what compelled him to do it? Well, you know, the special grand jury works differently than a regular criminal grand jury. And it's, it's he's required to, if the public interest dictate that he reveal as much as he can without jeopardizing any other interests. So that's why he had to balance these interests of the press against mm-hmm. the, the criminal interests and the VA's office and also, of course, the privacy interests of people whose names might be revealed in the report of the grand jury. A majority of the grand jury believes perjury may have been committed uh, by one or more witnesses. And we know there are some big names uh, potentially on that list. Jennifer, how important is that to you? Well, I think that's very, very interesting. I mean, there were 75 witnesses. We, of course, don't know which ones they're talking about, but you kind of can dismiss the ones who don't have any incentives to lie, right? They're not in criminal jeopardy themselves, and they don't have anyone to protect. So some of the ones that might come to mind who do have someone to protect, uh, maybe themselves or someone else, Mm -hmm. are some of the big names here, right? Rudy Giuliani, Michael Flynn, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Lindsey Graham, those are the names that kind of jump to the fore. We don't know if those are the people implicated, uh, but personally, I can't wait to see. So obviously, uh, there's there are no charges involved here. Prosecutors would then need to make the case before a regular grand jury, right? So this could be some time before we get the next leg in this case. It could, although Fannie Willis did tell the judge a few weeks ago that charges, charging decisions were imminent. Now, her imminent is maybe not someone else's imminent because nothing has happened yet, but it at least suggests that she's close to making decisions of bringing charges. I mean, I don't think we are months and months away, or she probably wouldn't have said that to the judge. Interesting. That also would suggest that she's probably already making that case to a grand jury, right? She could be. She could be. I mean, there's there are kind of two things going on. One is, of course, is she going to bring charges and then you actually have to go and seek the charges in front of the grand jury. But if you're going to charge some of these people, the former president, for sure, mm-hmm. you know, a senator like Lindsey Graham, even just big, bold-faced names who don't have current offices like a Rudy Giuliani, you really need to think through the next steps. 
how do you arrest these people? How do you bring them to the courthouse for processing? You know, there are a lot of things to think about even beyond the actual getting the indictment in hand. So I think probably in addition to these charging decisions, she's kind of trying to think through some of those next steps to figure out how they're going to make that happen. Those are some pretty major considerations. We've heard that a RICO charge could be involved here, Jennifer. Wouldn't that suggest that potentially dozens of people could be charged? Maybe. I mean, RICO doesn't always have to involve a huge number of people. You do have to prove the existence of some sort of entity or organization, but it doesn't have to be enormous. It has to have some sort of characteristics of an organization, some structure, some common goals, and so on. But you don't necessarily look to dozens of people when you're doing a RICO. Mm -hmm. It does suggest to me we're talking, you know, more about just like one or two people probably are unlikely, but, you know, somewhere between a couple and <laughs> dozens might be the right number for a RICO charge if she brings it. I'd be surprised, though. It's a fairly complicated charge. Um, I don't know. I'd be surprised if we see a RICO here. How many people do you need to call it a conspiracy? Two. Okay, two. then. So it's two, <laughs> two or more. We'll go with that. Uh, Jennifer, of course, this is happening at the same time as the investigation here in Washington with a special counsel. They're looking at many of the very same things here. Of course, Georgia is specific to Georgia. And I just wonder how the outcome of this case might inform, at least in your opinion, what's happening here on the federal level in Washington. Well, it's really interesting because usually when federal authorities are investigating, it means that other folks are not or they've been willing to take a back seat. You know, there's usually some coordination there. Federal officials have obviously coordinated with Fannie Willis's office, but they've been willing to let her go ahead. I think they are working together. It's just very interesting. For a long time, it seemed like maybe they weren't really investigating vigorously themselves and they were going to let her kind of take the lead. Now it seems that they're also investigating. So you have to think about how that overlap might affect uh, the case on the federal side if Georgia brings charges first. So I don't know how they're going to navigate all of that. They could maybe kind of carve out the Georgia piece for Georgia and charge the rest of it. That's one possibility. Another possibility is to go ahead and charge duplicatively, but then let Georgia go first in terms of trying that piece of it before the feds try their Georgia-related piece. So there are a few things that can be done, but what it really requires is communication and coordination. And so it seems like that is happening here. I hope that's happening here. That's really the only way to even hope for a smooth outcome if you have two cases going on like this with some overlap. That's fascinating, Jennifer. So you think they're they're already talking. They're in touch, at least on some level right now. Anytime you learn that another entity is investigating the same thing and the same people that you are, you immediately open those channels of communication. If for nothing else other than safety reasons, right? If you have the FBI and then Georgia's law enforcement talking to the same people, doing the same things, thinking about maybe even search warrants, wiretaps, investigative tools like that on the same subject, you have to deconflict and coordinate. So that really hmm. would have been one of the first things to happen. With regard to the special counsel investigation, we learned recently that Mike Pence is pledging to take his challenge to this subpoena from the special counsel to the Supreme Court if needed. Can he continue to resist testimony? Well, he can as as long as no one is, is telling him he can't, right? So he, you have to have a court tell him that he must comply with the subpoena. When it looked like his claim was only going to be an executive privilege claim, it looked like that wouldn't last very long. That law is settled. He will lose that case if he brings it. That would have been fairly swift. Now he's talking about uh, this speech and debate clause claim because in his role as president of the Senate, he's effectively claiming to be a legislator for purposes of what he was doing on January 6th. The problem with that 
is it's just untested. That's just a claim that has never made its way up through the courts to the Supreme Court, which means that he probably will get a hearing on that maybe all the way to the Supreme Court. And even if he loses that battle, we're talking about probably months before that's Mm. decided. So he's really going to be able, I think, to kick this can down the road before a court tells him without any appeals above it, you must go testify. Jennifer, fascinating. We learned a lot. Jennifer Rogers, former federal prosecutor now with Columbia Law School and NYU School of Law. Many thanks for helping us out here on Bloomberg today. Thanks so much. So we could be getting news from Georgia any time now, it sounds like. Donald Trump's certainly aware of this. He talked about it on the campaign trail. This is Donald Trump at a rally on the 4th of November. A local left-wing DA in Atlanta is after me for an absolutely perfect phone call. Even better, I would say better than the Ukrainian call to the president. This one was even better. Nobody complained about it. A year later, all of a sudden, they said, oh, that call. Didn't he make a call? A perfect phone call about election integrity. I call about election integrity. And they said, oh, well, did he possibly say, no, it was a perfect call. There's so many perfect calls, I can't keep track of them. The, the panel is here for that. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano uh, with a quick swing on what we learned today. Uh, Rick, we're going to get some news pretty soon from Georgia. Uh, that's going to set the stage for potentially more news from the Department of Justice, all as a presidential campaign is getting underway. What are we in for here? Uh, certainly a very interesting first quarter of the uh, election cycle for 2024 with an announced presidential candidate. So uh, you imagine Donald Trump going anywhere and having to deal with these topics, uh, you know, <laughs> if he's out campaigning. And I, I suspect that's one of the reasons why we don't see him doing very much campaigning, because, mm. you know, it just brings up all these these topics. I would say it is fascinating uh, to see how much of this is done without any public attention. I mean, we're talking about sort of what got you know yeah, uh, right. released today, but like there's an enormous amount of work being done, not just in you know Fannie Willis's shop, but you know in in Jack Smith's shop. I mean, mm-hmm. we were seeing reporting about eight different sealed cases, uh, you know, that may point to cover ups and things like that. And right. certainly, the the extent that I've been around Washington is usually not the crime; it's always a cover up that gets you in trouble. <laughs> Jeannie, uh, Joe Biden just sits back and watches this happen, huh? Yeah, this is exactly what the Biden team wants to continue. And I think what's going to be fascinating is to see how this, you know, criminal and constitutional clock works its way through the court. And it has been a pretty fast investigation, especially the Smith one. But also we are up against a political clock. We have not just Donald Trump, but Mike Pence, who, as you were just talking about, citing claims of privilege. He is probably going to be announced candidate. So this is spread far and wide, not to mention sitting senators, politicians. Political leaders, Brian Kemp, the governor, had testified. We don't know who they think lied under oath, and I'm not suggesting it was Brian Kemp, but yeah, 75 it's witnesses. It's a long list to go through, and that is just Georgia. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Just got the letter from President Biden's doctor from the White House physician Kevin O'Connor. After the big physical this morning, you know, the president, he got on the helicopter, went to Walter Reed for the physical. We actually have the results here that don't worry. The president asked him to release them. Fit for duty is the headline. Dr. Wright's quote, President Biden remains a healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male who is fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency to include those as chief executive, head of state and commander in chief. They even have his vitals on here. Pulse 69. Blood pressure, 128 over 76. I am supposed to know all this, right? These are nice numbers here. I have to admit, 178 pounds, 72 inches. 
This is part of the drill when you're president. But for this one at 80 years old, it takes on a certain level of importance that it might not otherwise. As many people question his age, his fitness for a potential next term. Let's assemble the panel. We're going to go through a couple of things here that involve the health of our elected leaders and in this case, specifically President Biden. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are here. Not bad, uh, Jeannie. For an 80-year-old man, the numbers look pretty good. Of course, we have to do this a couple more times before he would enter a second term. Does this help to quell any concerns about his health? Yeah, not bad at all for so many of us. He he sounds pretty healthy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I am not sure it's going to quell the political concern that is out there. I think what's going to quell that are things like what he did on this at the State of the Union in which he showed he can engage. He is energetic. And I think part of that is going to be Joe Biden back on the stump and able to, you know, if he does announce, we should say, able to, uh, you know, campaign in the way Americans pre-COVID and post-COVID mm-hmm. expect their leaders to be campaigning. And it is a lot to ask anybody, especially somebody at his age. So, you know, I think this is a step in the right direction, but I think questions will still be raised. And the president says he's prepared to address those. That's true. It took him an hour to get out of the room the night of the State of the Union. He was still doing pretty well. I, I was, you know, ready to to fall over. But part of the reason why I bring this up, uh, Rick Davis, is because of what we heard this week from Nikki Haley, of course, announced her candidacy for the Republican nomination. She's running for president. And she had two proposals that she made clear in her speech. We'll have term limits for Congress. Okay, term limits was one of them. See about that. Here's the other. And mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. Okay. Well, that would include both Joe Biden and Donald Trump, by the way. He's 76 years old. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, was asked about this idea today of the cognitive test. We've heard these types of attacks or remarks before. And, you know, if you go back to 2020, uh, they said that the president couldn't do it in 2020 and uh, attacked him there and he beat them. Did the president help to fend off the idea of a cognitive test with the results today? Uh, Rick Davis, and you know what it's like to work with uh, an aging politician who has health challenges. This is a very delicate issue. Sure. And um, really, the only way to do it is is really what he's doing, which is just get up every morning and look fit and 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 and, and perform your job. Right. Just do your job. Uh, and, and that is there's no way you're going to convince somebody uh, at that age that uh, they just ought to believe you that you're fine, right? Or believe the doctor. I mean, you know, I've got great blood pressure. Uh, you just gotta, you just gotta perform. And if and if there are stumbles, if there are moments that are embarrassing or whatnot, uh, then you gotta get back up on a horse and ride. I mean, you gotta get right back in and uh, and continue to perform. And and that's what the American people want. They're less concerned about just what age you are, and mm-hmm. but they are ultimately concerned that they have somebody in the Oval Office who is fit and can handle the rigors of the job. And they don't diminish what those rigors are. They think it's a tough job. They don't think it's a cakewalk. So he's got to live up to that level of voter expectation. Well, he likes to say, watch me, Jeannie. That really may be all he can do. But this idea of a cognitive test, Nikki Haley is just trying to get us to talk about this, right? That's not real. 
Yeah, she is. And she's trying to get us to talk not just about Joe Biden, but Donald Trump, because if she didn't want to hit Trump, she would have hit 80 and above. But she hit that 75 (laughs) number. And I think she needs to watch out because Trump has aced his cognitive test. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. So the first questions are very easy. The last questions (laughs) are much more difficult. Right. Uh, Like a memory question. It's uh, It's coming back now. Like you'll go person, woman, man, camera. TV. I don't know if I could do that, Rick, myself. Oh, I have eminent confidence in your uh, cognitive abilities, Joe. Uh, um, thank you. <laughs> but, but yeah, look, I mean, it is a way to get us talking about it. It's exactly sure. what we're doing. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's kind of funny. I mean, in the sense that uh, if you're going to do it to the president, you're going to do it to the entire United States Senate. And how about those House yeah. members? There are a few uh, over 72 uh, <laughs> peop- uh, five-year-olds there, too. And, uh, and so uh, I would say there's enough in this category that you're unlikely to pass any law that would require this. Um, and maybe it's just like taxes and your physicals. Uh, you set a standard to do it. Uh, I, you know, uh, I get out the, you know, the, the machines that tell whether you're telling a lie or telling the truth. Right. I mean, like, let's just put those on during the debates and see what happens. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can really go with. Ever more delicate than this situation is the one involving Senator John Fetterman. If, uh, if you're at work all day, if you're just catching up on things, he checked himself into Walter Reed. This was not because uh, of the stroke. Well, at least not directly. Remember, he was hospitalized a week ago feeling lightheaded. Today, uh, he checked himself in to be treated for clinical depression. This is a big deal, and you can look at this a couple of different ways here, Jeannie. He could be seen as a hero for helping to remove the stigma around this. But I'll tell you what, this is not an easy job, as Rick Davis was just saying. This is tough. We've been seeing him in the halls. We saw him at the, the State of the Union the other night. He's a sitting U.S. senator, and he's balancing an extremely difficult situation involving his health. He is. And, you know, I give him so much credit for checking himself in voluntarily. I think it's particularly important for men who sometimes don't want to admit that, as we know in our culture, that they need help in this regard. So Mm -hmm. I give him so much credit. And here's somebody who didn't manage his health. He said himself, and so did his wife previously. So it's good that he is doing this. And of course, the people of Pennsylvania have got to be very concerned. But, you know, he's doing this voluntarily. Depression can be treated. And and thank goodness he's catching it now and hopefully able to come out on top and moving forward. Rick, I'm not sure how you'd handle this if if you were uh, helping to advise John Fetterman. He was asked during the campaign to release health records following his stroke and, and the beginnings of his recovery. And he chose not to do that. Uh, what does he owe his constituents more, if anything, more than the statement he put out today? Yeah, it's very difficult. Um, uh, having worked with um, John McCain during a number of surgeries uh, and um, uh, had to answer those questions ourselves uh, yeah. about uh, what he was going through, what his prognoses were, how he was being treated, how he's being recovered. Um, you know, you you have to you have to bridge it with family privacy. Uh, and in this case, I would say family privacy uh, takes precedence. And oh. certainly I would, you know, uh, uh, include him in my prayers and his family in my prayers today, because I know this is a very difficult situation he's going through. And there is no there is no pattern. There is no um, uh, process that you can plug into and say, OK, this is what everybody else has done. And this is how I'm going to do it. It's a intensely personal matter and and seems that the family is handling it extremely well and and you know our, our our thoughts and prayers go out to them your industry is unique 
It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. So what's the opposite of a mic drop moment? After President Biden delivered his address today on the China spy balloon and the three UFOs, he's standing there at the podium in the South Court Auditorium, you know, with a room full of sharks, reporters, looking to make news, ready to shout questions the second he stops talking. The way you avoid that is you turn around and walk off the stage. Mic drop moment. No, I don't even hear you. Now, if you choose to engage, you kind of have to know the direction you're going in here. Or you could have what took place today, as the president again found himself standing at a podium with dozens of reporters shouting at him. This is what it sounded like as he was about to walk away from the podium. Sir, the question was it you want to say, sir, there's been criticism. There's been criticism that this was. There's been criticism that this. Yep. Sir, Mr. President, Mr. President, there has been criticism. Mr. President, there has been criticism that this was an overreaction that was done because of political pressure. You turn my off and ask the question. We have more polite people. That if we had more polite people, he said, of course, this reporter, he's asking him about. Whether his family's dealings compromise, he said, you got to give me a break, man. That was the only question he gave to the reporters. And it looked like he was trying to let one of those reporters, possibly even the Fox News reporter in the room, ask if he was overreacting in shooting down the other three UFOs. 
Final thoughts from our panel here. We have two expert communicators with us, and both would just love to get an hour with Joe Biden to tell him not to do that anymore. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Rick, you can't give him the hook, right? How do how does the president and the communication staff avoid moments like this? Oh, this is a uh, this is always an issue. Uh, it's always the last question that gets you into trouble. Yep. Uh, one more question. No, no more questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, the staff jumps in front of these. Okay, thank you very much. Oh no, let, let them ask <laughs> yeah, one more question. Uh, and for whatever reason, politicians think that's cute and entertaining, and somehow will yeah. inure to some benefit. And then they get this really hard question, and they botch <laughs> it, and that's what you remember that day. Um, yeah, he just needs to turn around and walk away. I mean, right. the press are complicit in this, right? There's no reason for them to be shouting questions at him if he's never going to stop and actually turn around and answer them. So, true. you know, at it, some point in time, it's a learned behavior. It's Pavlovian, right? I mean, <laughs> if you don't turn around and answer their questions, yep. someday they'll quit yelling at them. Uh, so I just uh, it is the ultimate frustration of communication staff to not have. Uh, politicians who will adhere to the any set of rules, and then they complain, "Oh, these press are animals; they just are out of control." <laughs> and like you bait them all the time, get off well, the stage. If they think they're going to make some news, Jeannie, that's their job, right? They got to bring something back to the newsroom. Then again, there were some concerns today, apparently, uh, within the press corps about decorum, because with everyone acting like that, no one today got any news, did they? Yeah, that's right. You know, so that there is a drawback there, but everybody is trying to get their questions. And and I think what, you know, is very telling is that you do see Biden avoid many of them. But the ones he responds to are the ones we know that really irk him. Like all politicians, it's the ones about his family. We know that's deeply troubling to Joe Biden and they keep pushing at it. And he responds. He should take a lesson from George Santos. Pull out those Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) or whatever donuts you and Rick want. Give them to the press. And move along. Just a half dozen crispies, you'd you'd have this thing solved, Rick Davis. Oh yeah, that's and, and not Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> like, we so know we're totally stand. clear. <laughs> Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. We've got one more, and looking forward to our conversation tomorrow on the fastest hour in politics. What was the quote? Come on, man. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.